Thank you for joining the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues Mitch Jelniger and Jordan Sherman. You may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD hemp and medical marijuana brand. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders, and reporters in the CBD space. You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. Welcome to Move the Stairs. This is episode 93. We're recording on Friday, December 22nd, 2023. We're happy you're here joining us for today's exciting conversations. My colleagues, Diane and Jordan, are out today. One's under the weather, the other's traveling. So today I have the pleasure of speaking with James Marashevsky. He is a Colorado entrepreneur. He's a sommelier. He's a private chef. I'd like to be talking about wine, but instead we're going to talk more about marketing and branding. That's his expertise in aerosol delivery health products. So our focus today really will be James's businesses, monarchremedy.com, which carries a line of CBD and cannabis products. Also a new one, Neuromist. It's a precision system to dispense nootropics. So we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. We're going to have lots to talk uh, about with James, most importantly, his view on the future of the CBD cannabis space, uh, what led him to this particular avenue in the industry. Um, Given his flair for branding, we're going to ask him about building customer loyalty. We always talk about insider media relations, so we'll ask him about what he sees the role of the media playing in your business success. And in our building uh, a resilient brand segment, we're going to tap into James's knowledge about setting yourself up as a thought leader, which will help protect your brand. So let's get started. I'll reach down here and hit the magic button. We're going to add uh, James in here. Hi, James. Thanks for joining us today for our Move the Stairs podcast. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. I always like uh, talking about, I would rather be drinking and talking about wine as well, but uh uh, we can we can get to that later. Yeah. Um, we'll know, make that it is Friday. Time. We got yeah. we got a happy hour coming. But um, but thanks for having me on. You betcha. I appreciate you taking the time to do it in the, on a uh, busy day. Uh, first, I gave a little intro, but tell tell the folks a little bit more about yourself. You have a rather interesting background. Yeah, I kind of call it you know um, a, a story journeyman's um, path or uh, approach to where I've ended up. Um, I had a little bit of early success with a catalog company um, back on another rendition of me in Denver, uh, gosh, 25 years ago. Um, and I sold that in the early 2000s um, and kind of got me into direct marketing and kind of first foray into, into some sort of branding with a um, sports medical line of products. And we did real well for a while and kind of rode the wave. And uh, I always like to point out one one fun fact about that. Uh, it was late ni- ni- late 90s. I was at a direct marketing conference in San Francisco. We go to these DM shows all the time and direct marketing association. And they had this uh, keynote speaker that nobody had heard of or not heard of much. And we were listening to this guy and he was talking about how he's going to build this giant brand and about branding this and branding that. And um, he had uh, not had much success. And uh, he had a little company, a guy by the name of Jeff Bezos talking about his new company, Amazon. And everybody's like, yeah, well, you're not making any money selling books online. Good luck with that. So uh, that was my one of my first 
fun facts of being in direct marketing was uh, listening to Jeff Bezos and in and his first little view of what his website looked at way back then. And it was quite interesting. So um, then after the catalog business, I traveled a lot just doing some consulting in that business for some big brands, Nautica, Liz Claiborne, uh, Tommy Hilfiger, things like that with some home brands and catalogs. And then I uh, found myself in Southern California working on a couple projects, but couldn't get much traction there. Um, ended up in Vancouver, Canada, working with a media marketing company, um, bringing products from the UK into the US uh, in the gaming industry. And I had my nights free. My wife was still in Denver and I was kind of feeling my way. And I said, hey, you know, I'll take a wine class at night. I got a couple hours free, got hooked, got the wine bug. Um, ended up spending two years getting my SOM certification. Um, that was my first kind of, you know, real deep dive into that and said, you know, I kind of think I want to be in the wine business. Ended up making a few trips to Napa. Uh, got into the wine business with a uh, catalog company that actually had a wine tasting room. And I ran that for a couple of years. Um, got to learn Napa. Made, made best use of um, having my connections with this well-known company and went out and had free tastings on my days off. So I went out and tasted every chance I could, um, you know, literally four, five, six wineries a day when I when I had the open time. And um, while I was uh, at this company, you know, learning the ropes, I had a, a group of girls that asked me, well, you seem to know the valley. Can you take us around? And I'm like, yeah, I got a day off, called my wife and said, hey, I got good news and bad news. The good news is I can make a few extra bucks. And he said, the bad news is it's four really pretty girls that want me to drive them around. My wife was like, yeah, go for it, man. How much are they going to pay you? And so I started touring uh, on my off days. That turned into a tour company called Flex Wine Tours. And that's when I really started learning the value of, of distinguishing your brand. And back then, uh, it was just a bunch of black limos and guys in monkey suits taking people around to these wineries. And I thought of a new type of vehicle, branded it. It was actually called the Ford Flex with a cool white top. And it was kind of, you know, a little bit more fun way to see wine country. So we, we it came up with Flex Wine Tours, which had a couple double meanings. Um, in a couple of years, we ended up number one on TripAdvisor uh, for all the tour companies in Napa. And I uh, rode that way for a couple of years until the fires in 17 and 18, which really hurt the hospitality business. Um, during that time also, I went and took a cannabis class because uh, I got interested in cannabis. I, it was similar to the wine learning and and uh, aromatics and flavonoids and things like that. Got kind of hooked on that part of it. Ended up uh, leaving California with um, the COVID and everything else that happened. Ended up in Colorado. And that was my first kind of uh, entry into cannabis uh, and more specifically e-commerce for CBD, a new CBD delivery product, which was um, nano mist or aerosol delivery. So that's how I ended up in cannabis was kind of a path via wine and a similar, similar type of, uh, 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 product, but doing it a different delivery. So yeah. that's why I ended up back in Colorado and cannabis. Wow. That's, that's quite the story, everything, but joining the circus, maybe that's next, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you with this, and yours has always been, your focus has always been the delivery system. Find the most efficient, best way to deliver that product. Correct. Um, you, you, you've got Monarch Remedy, um, but it come January, which is in a matter of days, you'll be launching this Neuromist. And your mantra there has been 
ditch the pills. Um, right. And so just describe what is Neuromist? How does it work? Why do you think that's a superior way to uh, deliver uh, the product? Well, it's, it is on the coattails of the Monarch Remedy, um, monarchremedy.com e-commerce for CBD, same type of delivery system. And it is a aerosol um, spray, a nano mist spray as the same level of um, nanoparticulates that use for asthma, uh, asthma inhalers that have been around for you know decades. There's right. 40 million people a day that use asthma inhalers. So it's the same level of delivery, just a little bit different with a sublingual um, delivery system and you can sublingual or inhale, but basically Neuromist, um, is designed to replace all the pills people are taking. Um, people are taking, uh, over a hundred million plus pills a day, and it is the least effective shown proven to be only five to 12% absorption rates. Um, there's a reason some of the top, you know, drugs that need good delivery via the lungs or, you know, other types of patients that need a, a, a much more higher, what they call bioavailability, which just means how the body absorbs what you're putting in. So when you take pills, it has to go through the full GI tract. It has to go through liver, gallbladder, stomach, all the things, you know, small intestine, large intestine. And given what's in your system, you really don't know the level of absorption other than you're going to somehow process 90% of it out of your system somehow, some way. So it's very taxing on the organs. So the Neuromist um, is, is really designed to um, sublingually or inhale, um, deliver that via the, 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 the veins in your, in your mouth, which are very absorb, absorptive sure. uh, as a nanoparticulate uh, with a little bit of other transport materials that you're getting 85% absorption uh, within that five minutes that it's in your mouth. Wow. Wow. And so you, it, with, with Monarch, it was more of a focus on CBD cannabis, this neuromist, not so much, it's more on nootropics. So I want you to talk about what nootropics is, but first let me ask you, and I don't mean to, to pounce on the negative, but is that, that switch, that migration because of the uncertainty in the CBD cannabis space or the you know, we're still waiting for the farm bill, et cetera, et cetera. Or was it just Neuromist was a, 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 a more desirable path for you? Yeah. I, you know, I think CBD, um, not only just being a crowded space, I know we're going to talk a little bit about that later, mm -hmm. but um, it really, the, the uncertainty from the FDA, um, the FDA was supposed to rule on this, you know, months, years ago, and they just recently came out and said, we're not going to regulate it. And, and THC is regulated. CBD is not. And as much as I hate regulation in general, it would have been good for our industry. It would have been uh, get a level playing field. But um, so I think the problem with that on the CBD side and building a brand and marketing is that when you are hampered by the FDA and on a federal level, it's still classified as a schedule one drug, you can't get credit card processing. You can't get certain banking. So you're basically being handcuffed. And we had hoped that that would have been solved with cool. some of the banking bills and some of the other farm bills and other regulation. It's not happening. And, and they're basically saying, we can't tell you when it's going to happen. There's a new farm bill coming out that's going to change things. But the FDA on a federal level is basically saying, we aren't going to tell you what you really, we're going to tell you what you can't do, but we can't tell you what, we, what you can do. And so that uncertainty, we're like, you know, we really need to have 
you know, open media, open brand building and open e-commerce and nootropics was the next best thing. And we figured, well, let's take this technology. And um, there are several kind of nootropic type products out there. Um, you've heard of Prevagen and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and basically nootropics is defined by anything that increases your cognitive abilities, but it's much more than that. And I just tell people, the best way to think of a nootropic is the most basic nootropic that a hundred plus million Americans use every day. And that's coffee. You know, the caffeine in coffee is a nootropic. And if you go into some of your specialty food stores now, you'll see coffee now for energy, for focus. And they're adding mushrooms. They're adding things that are helping with certain cognitive abilities, whether it be, you know, the help with dementia or just more of a focus and clarity throughout the day. So nootropics is kind of labeled as a brain booster type of thing, but it's actually a little bit more than that to help treat everything from anxiety to um, sleep aid to, you know, that clarity and focus you want through the day. Um, and certain high level nootropics will treat certain dementia type of issues as well, or is prevent it um, in addition to helping it. Okay. Yeah. Good explanation. Good definition. I hear people call it smart drugs when they say nootropics. So that would, that makes perfect sense. You, you've mentioned a couple of times building the brand and customer loyalty. I want to kind of zero in and focus on that for a minute. The folks that are own, owning businesses that are watching these podcasts, are, they want to stand out from the crowd um, to build that customer loyalty. And of course that starts by just making people aware that you even exist. How have you been able to achieve that with many of your different businesses? Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, building customer loyalty, I, I, I've, you know, I've been in food and beverage so for so many years and worked in many restaurants throughout the years. One of the, 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 the best kind of parallel com comparisons that I, I like to tell people is think of your favorite restaurant that you really like to go back to, you know, um, think of the elements that keep you coming back to something that may even be the same and over and over again, but you've got this loyalty. And I, I kind of think I've kind of got a list here of a couple of things that I feel like customer loyalty falls into. And I think the first thing is, you know, the, the product, whatever that product is, that has to work. It has to it has to do what it says it does. Um, it has to meet your expectations, whether it be that that great steak or something you order online. I think it's got to meet customer expectations. So first and foremost, the product has to, quote unquote, work or work for you or meet your expectations. Okay. Um, I think, uh, secondly, I think, you know, you have to have really good communications with your customer, whether via the media or direct online or phone calls. I think, you know, I think phone calls are very underrated, have that direct communications, uh, but you need to communicate to your customer how they want to be communicated to. And I think that's one of the things people miss. They just think, well, everybody's doing emails. Let's do an email. Everybody's doing text messaging. Let's do text messaging. Let's do, you know, whatever it is you want to try to reach people. But I think you need to understand every segment of your customers, how they want to be reached. And if it's in person, then you need to be there. But I think communications in the way they want to be communicated to, um, because some people still love email. Some people don't even read their email. You right. got to be able to communicate. Um, and I think another thing, big thing in that is, um, it sounds basic, but I think trust and um, when somebody trusts you, not just having lip service or a marketing um, ploy, 
I think the customer has to trust you to know that they're being heard with any issues that they may have. So um, trust comes on, on many different levels, whether it be how you speak to them or how you handle when things don't go well. Um, and I think another part of customer loyalty is um, availability. And that sounds very basic, but you know, you've got to be available for your customer with whatever it is that they need at whatever time they need it. And, and it may be email communications, it may be a phone call, but I think you just need to be really readily available. Um, and that's why you see these online chats with a lot of rooms and stuff. Some people like to use those, some people don't, but just having availability, whether it be again, phone, email, text, pop-up chat messages, just that, that availability. Um, and I think another big part of good customer loyalty is um, uh, giving new customers something to keep filling that bucket. And so giving new customers something that they can grab onto to, 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 to be able to experience your brand, but then giving your best customers something new as well. You've got to always be kind of, you know, I think of like wine clubs um, in, in Napa, you yeah. know, you had your new customers that always came in and then you have your very loyal customers. Um, and if you keep sending them to kind of the same thing every day, everything, you're going to lose some of that loyalty. So I think you've got to be not necessarily reinventing yourself, but you've got to give your most loyal customers something new as well to keep them you know, in the hopper and to keep them interested in your brand, whatever it is that you're selling. Yeah. And I think, um, just maintain uh, that excitement level for them. Yeah, I think I think you need to um, keep their interest with, you know, and I had one of my favorite wine clubs in Napa and every single quarter when the wine clubs went out, the winemaker made a, a wine specifically to the wine club members and they couldn't buy it anywhere else. They couldn't get it anyplace else. They were always looking forward to it. So hmm. you've got to keep that interest um, with re regarding whatever it is. And again, back to the restaurant analogy, I think, you know, if you just, You've got to be keep introducing either new dishes or new promotions or new ways to keep your your most loyal customers, you know, even that much more loyal and give them more and give new customers something new to come into. Keep them keep them enthused. You mentioned the word trust, which is interesting because we always talk to clients about building the trust bucket. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, building that trust with consumers at MNC Communications, we're all former journalists, so we help our clients understand a little bit about what the media wants. Um, some people, you know, don't care for the media. They're afraid of the media. They don't know what to do. So we try to position them as, you know, industry leaders or experts to, who can provide a really good interview uh, and, and get them prepared for that. So I'm curious, have you relied on relationships with members of the media, could be a trade periodical, a radio station, TV, whatever, to help your businesses grow over the years? Um, I mean, absolutely. I, I think, you know, uh, I mean, you never feel like you're doing enough. Um, and I think that the, the difficult part as an entrepreneur where you always feel like you're in quote unquote startup mode, um, you know, it's and, and you're and you're you've got this new shiny object you're trying to get out there. Um, but what you, what you do realize with always being in that mode is that building those relationships and having that it's really the fastest, cheapest way to to fast track it. And you can't get caught up in, in, in that launch so much that you don't utilize the media that is the, again, the cheapest and fastest to get the word out there. Um, I mean, you have to have really good relevant and um, accurate content as well uh, with the media so that it is interesting. You know, in the old days, you know, when you're sending out press releases or whatever, you know, they had, you know, he had to have your tagline, you had to have your next 
you know, the sub, the sub tagline had to be, you know, very catchy. Um, and some of those old school principles still work, but, um, now with social media, um, you know, it's, the game has changed because now you've got to be in that digital world where, um, you've got to be tech savvy and you've got to, you know, be well beyond, um, and, and follow some of those media partners leads in what's most effective right now. And, and, and it may not be a traditional press release. It might be, you know, an Instagram post or a promotion on any type of social media. Um, and, you know, on the big three, you know, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, you've got to treat those all three very differently. And then a good media relationship will tell you, Hey, this message works really well on Instagram, but it's not so much on Facebook or Twitter, and they are distinctly different. So I think following their lead and those relationships uh, really helps you with your messaging uh, beyond just, here's a great title, here's a brand new shiny object, here's why you should have it. Um, you know, you've got to be video savvy and you've got to you've got to really use these digital platforms properly. And I think media partners really help you with that. Yeah, a lot of businesses get really excited about something they have going on internally, but it also has to be exciting for the rest of the audience. So your tip about, you know, making it relevant is is key. So let's suppose we have a business sitting here watching this and saying, all right, I'll, I'd love to make a contact with the media. Wow. Where do I begin? How do I cultivate those relationships? What would your tips be? Well, um, again, I think, you know, to be to be candid, I, I don't think I've done a very good job even knowing what I'm supposed to do. So I fully understand when you are a small business or in me, not necessarily a one man show, but I'm the one that handles a lot of those. And, you know, the proverbial wearing many hats. I personally don't think I've done a very good job in this last project because I've been, you know, running around hair on fire. Yeah. Um, but I do know how to how to do that. I think you've got to have a lot of dedication to um, your network groups um, and whether it be a personal or professional network group. Um, I think you really need to get involved with industry associations. I think that's very critical. Um, even meetup events, you know, your local, you know, Denver's got a really good meetup group that, that does uh, all types of industry events. I think you got to be very on top of that. You got to be uh, uh, participating in industry events, you know, um, you know, Denver has a really good, uh, it's called the NOCO um, Hemp Expo, mm -hmm. and they ch changed it around a bit, but you've got to be at those events, even if it's the same thing over and over again. You always are going to meet either media or other, you know, referrals um, in those things. So you've got to be very present. Um, you know, you've got to be involved with news groups. You've got to be able to provide some content to some of these people that are asking for content or your specialty or like we're doing right now. Um, I think you've got to be part of specialty organizations that are in your niche of, of whatever you're doing. Um, and quite frankly, you've got to be present in volunteer groups or charities as well. So it's many prongs. It's just, it's just hard to dedicate when you don't have somebody that is only doing that. So if you've got, if you're a big company, you've got a, a PR media slash person that's out there, they can be dedicated to it. But when you're the owner and an entrepreneur, it's, it's, it's very challenging. And I would say I'd be the first one to admit I have not a, done a good job of being involved in all of those groups um, that collectively help you, you know, kind of cultivate those um, and, and get you exposed to, to new people such as yourself and, and other media companies. Yeah, I, you know, I can see a, a small business owner listening to this going, how many hats do you want me to wear? But that doesn't make it any less important. It, it, you no. do have to kind of be involved in all those all those spots. Let's talk about creating a resilient brand. I mean, it's it's essential to every business, right? When, when what what you're in, 
we like to position our clients to help them, you know, polish those reputations so they can make be resilient and go through good and bad times. Um, with such a crowded field out there, particularly, let's talk about CBD, hemp, cannabis space. It's a lot of companies. How do you prove to the consumer, hey, I've got a really good product. I have a superior product. Well, um, you know, in the CBD or hemp uh, cannabis world, uh, with our with our Monarch Remedy um, platform or in that project a couple of years ago, we were lucky in that uh, there was nobody else doing aerosols. Okay. So uh, both a blessing and a curse. So from a from to answer the question specifically, how do you stand out in in the in the um, nanomist or neuromist coming up? It's a little bit easier because we are the shiny object that nobody's ever heard of. Okay. And, you know, the, the closest pe thing that people think of is, you know, the old banaca spray that you spray into your tongue for yeah. that fresh breath when you were just, you know, after a meal or something. But um, I personally, when I think of all the CBD brands out there and you look at you go to any shop, whether it be THC or, 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 or CBD, it's kind of all the same. They all have a tincture. They all have a gummy. They all have some sort of flower or something you can smoke or derivatives of that. And, you know, in the CBD world, it came down to dosage. And so people were just upping the dosage to try to stand out. So it used to be, you know, a thousand or 900 milligrams in a bottle. And then it went to 1500 milligrams in a the bottle. Then it went to 2000 milligrams in a bottle and they kept charging more, but they all still came into the, to the same thing. So, it, the only really way to stand out in, in the traditional CBD slash tincture world um, where, I, where we call them me too products. We just decided on our side, we did not have a, a me too product. And if we had to be doing something that was in the same crowded space, like we do a pet drops um, there's a ton of companies that do pet drops, but we did ours a little bit differently. We, um, we started putting CBG in there. We use fish oil only and all that. So if you don't have some sort of uh, either technical or scientific way to stand out, again, you can up the dosage. That makes you stand out a little bit. Oddly, people aren't even that price con con conscious in this industry. They just want something to work. Yeah. Um, and I think the big challenge for us, knowing that we didn't have to really stand out because nobody even heard of aerosols. Again, the blessing was that we, we didn't have any competition or still don't, but the curse was you've got to change the way 90% of the people take their CBD, which is with a tincture under the tongue. Yeah. And even those ours is better, faster, more effective, you know, better cost per dose. Um, you know, aside from that, distinguishing your brand, it really came down to, uh, uh, I think on the CBD world, education, um, dosing, and, and in the end right now it's price. Because everybody's kind of doing the same thing and they're and it's become a very price uh, motivated uh, uh, kind of category. Sure. You mentioned the word education uh, and, and that, that, that struck me because, it, you know, let's face it, some consumers may not know the difference still to this day. Some lawmakers even uh, or even members of the media don't really know the distinction between THC and CBD, which sounds kind of odd. But here's another hat you're trying to put on as a small business owner educating the consumer reporter mm -hmm. lawmakers the public do you think that's it that's a that's an important role is to help educate to build that resilient brand 
Well, I mean, I mean, hundred percent. I think if, if you aren't educating constantly uh, in this space, uh, I don't think you have a chance because, but that said, you know, two years ago, people had to be told CBD does not get you high. Mm-hmm. Um, and the difference between THC and CBD, the difference between the plants and how it's harvested, the um, what, what exactly did the farm bill allow and not allow? Um, the farm bill was really targeted at the hemp plant, which is not a THC plant. So, um, you know, the CBD derived from that. So I think, quite frankly, these days, I don't think you have to educate people so much as what is the difference between CBD and THC. I think given that it's le- that THC is legal in half of our country right now, in you know 25 states, I think given that that's they, the, the states have made that distinguishing you know, or that difference um, to people pretty well. And I think most people understand CBD, but the next, the next iteration of this is now the minor cannabinoids have come in the CBGs of the world, cannabigerol, um, CBN, which is real good for sleep, CBDA, THCV. So now we're in this new minor cannabinoids, which are proving very, very effective in the CBD world. And that's the new education is, oh, we know what CBD is, but what is CBG? What is CBN? Why do I need to use that? What should be used on my dog or on my on person? Um, so I think that's the new generation of, of that education. So it's it's constant. You've got to really be distinguishing yourself by, you know, telling people what the difference is. And then now the, the, the next next thing behind minor cannabinoids is what I call the new Franken drugs that they're making out of CBD. You know, you've got the Delta eights, the Delta tens, you know, THC is Delta nine, which is technically illegal. Delta eight is not illegal or they don't really know what they're doing with Delta eight, but they're basically Franken drugs. They're, they're being manufactured in the lab and skirting around the bill and creating a psychoactive product out of CBD or the hemp plant, I should say. And now you've really got to educate people because if you're taking Delta eight, you're going to get high and, and it's, it's somewhat legal. It's, it's skirting around what they've current. So they're just finding a way around the system. And yes, the states that have approved THC for recreational use, you know what you're getting, you know, it's not CBD, you know, it's THC, but now these new Franken drugs, you know, HHC and HHO and all these others, I, I can't even keep up. So I'm having to educate and now even more so with these new kind of iterations of beyond CBD and, and minor cannabinoids and these other Franken drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So message clear there. Education is key. Well, you know, just telling your story, even your motivation to what brought you into the space that helps build trust, as we talked about, and, and also your reputation. Before I let you go, since we were talking about all these new um, uh, avenues, I will ask you to pull out your crystal ball here. What do you see happening in 2024 with this entire space? Any thoughts? What are you What are you watching for? So I think on the on the CBD side, uh, I think what you're gonna what you're gonna find is, um, uh, and it's already really has, has trended through this year. Uh, dosing. Uh, I think dosing is is probably one of the biggest things you need to educate people on because. Um, people really just don't know how much to take. And, and even though we've been spending two years, you know, educating on dosing, people are still uh, in the dark. Um, they don't know if they should do 30 milligrams a day, 
30 milligrams at a time, 100 milligrams, half a milligram per body weight. They don't know. It, it's all over the place. So I think dosing has really got to get to get a better handle on because um, dosing for your pet or dosing for yourself, dosing based on your body weight, people are, are still really in the dark about dosing. And that's the one thing about the 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 neuromist and or the nanomist that we're using. It's it's very specifically dosed. So um, and on the THC side, um, it's even more challenging because now THC is is sold as a percentage of THC you're getting per jar or per joint or per gummy or whatever you're taking. It's yeah. a percent THC. And that's all over the board now. And if you take a gummy versus smoking, your body treats it very differently depending on what's in your system. So I think the dosing is going to be probably the biggest challenge. Um, so people really need to get a handle on it. Um, and THC is regulated in the dosing and CBD is not. So um, again, the regulation, I think, uh, I think you're going to find a lot more uh, of these uh, clamping down on the Franken drugs. I think you're going to probably see a lot of those. Uh, there's a lot of letters going out right now with the FDA. Um, I really think the FDA is going to finally get on board. Um, uh, I know that probably the, one of the biggest things going to happen in 2024 is the rescheduling. And, you know, we're not asking it to be, you know, scheduled down to a schedule five, like, you know, you know, but it should not be scheduled higher than cough syrup. And so I think, you know, the scheduling it out of schedule one, even if they bring it down to schedule two or three, just opens up the, the market um, because you need to be able to not have it as a federal schedule one drug. So I think that's going to be a big thing in 24 is getting it off of the schedule one. Uh, I think that's going to really help a lot of um, small businesses. And then yeah. on the nootropic side, uh, that the reason that we are getting into, you know, it's going to be getneuromist.com. The reason that we're kind of trending toward nootropics, and I think a lot of companies are going to do that. And it may even be a combination of nootropics with THC or nootropics with THC, but you're going to hear a lot more about um, things um, more than just brain food. You're going to have uh, certain nootropics and combinations uh, in the CBD world. It was called the entourage effect, meaning that if you combined CBD with CBG and some other herbs and botanicals, you could get more pain relief. Or if you combined CBN with, you know, lemon balm and passion flower and chamomile and, and CBN and all these other things, you could then create a product that makes you sleep better. So I think on the nootropic side, it can be the same thing. You're going to have not just something that helps your brain, but you're going to have a combination of things. You know, they've proven that caffeine and L-theanine and ashwagandha and all those things that work together. So I think you're going to see its, its own version of an entourage effect with nootropics as well. And like our formulations, you know, we're going to be focusing on energy and focus or a clarity product. We're going to focus on a relaxation product. And then we're going to focus on a sleep product. The combinations of legal um, herbs, botanicals, and or drugs you can combine with that are going to be very specific. So I think you're going to see a lot more trend and you're already seeing it um, with remedy-based combinations and remedy-based products and not just taking CBD to take CBD. You're going to take CBD with CBN with, you know, GABA and, you know, um, you know, uh, magnesium citrate, 
all to make you sleep better or whatever it is. You're going to see a lot more purpose. Yeah, yeah. Very more purpose. Yeah. And rem we call it remedy specific. There you go. Well, your outlook on 2024 seems very positive. I hope you're right. That's a great place to, to, to wrap things up. So, James Batachevsky from NeuroMist, thank you so much for joining us for this Move the Stairs podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, learn more about NeuroMist. Where do they find you? Um, we have a splash page website right now. Uh, we're hoped we're hoping to be up and running first quarter of next year, but you can go on and pre-register at getneuromist.com and neuro is N-E-U-R-O mist.com, but you can find it anywhere. And we hope to have that line of nootropics out, um, shortly. Um, and you can still, you know, until the end of the year, you can still go to monarchremedy.com and, uh, see our CBD products. We're doing an end of year thing. So, uh, but really excited about what 2024 has for us that so we can openly market uh, into this uh, kind of new category and new channel. Awesome. All right, James, thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right, Mitch, look forward right. to it. Very good. All right. Thank have a great you. new year. Cheers. Right. Yes. Happy new year. Well, that was a, that was a good conversation with, uh, with James about brand protection PR and, and how to really implement that in your business. I jotted down a few notes. When we talked about building a customer loyalty, you know, he talked about being available to your customer. I thought that was key. And of course, your product has to not just be there, but be reliable. It has to meet the consumer's expectations. And I think that really would uh, build that con uh, customer loyalty. Talking about insider media relations, um, he's talked about you know networking groups and just making yourself available, which he admitted is hard to do when you're running a small business. You've got lots of things going on. Uh, but you can't discount that. You use the media to help uh, spread the, the good news and you, you can be then thought of as a thought leader. And then on our creating a resilient brands uh, segment, it's just talking about standing out and then that constant education. That is key. Maybe not a thing that everybody wants to be doing, but it is key so the consumer understands why your, your product may be better than others. So I want to thank our special guest, James Matachevsky, for joining us on this Move the Stairs podcast. Thank you for being here, listening and watching. We hope you join us again for our next all new Move the Stairs podcast episode, which will be next year in 2024. Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase Move the Stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story, no excuses. And one night, I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors. But what could I do? So I looked around, and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.